0: Welcome to another episode of Laughing Matters with Robert Burrill. Brought to you as always by Stand Up Records. Check them out online, standuprecords.com. While you're there, buy my album Sex and Politics. Makes a phenomenal stocking stuffer. Uh, even if you get it electronically, you can still uh, still give it. It's the the time of year for really treating the ones you care about to uh, gifts that uh, are going to bring them a lot of joy. And what no more joy can be brought than with Sex and Politics. It's a Uh, good gift for grandmothers. Absolutely. Grandmothers love it. Uh, My guest today, uh, not a comedian, but uh, uh, we've known each other since college, which is way too long ago. Uh, My best friend uh, in town for the holidays, uh, so I wanted to have him on the show, uh, Zach Olson. So thank you for... Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Rob. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So... um, you, uh, you're, th- holidays. Yeah. You're home for the holidays. Yeah. You're, uh, Bemidji? That's where we went to uh little, it'll be a biographical show for all my laughing maniacs out there. They can see a peek behind the, peek behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, so I moved to
1: Washington State uh, a couple of years ago. For a job teaching at a community college there, uh, and I'm coming back to Minnesota for the holidays. So, uh, be spending a few days in the Twin Cities with you, hanging out, catching up. Then I'm gonna drive north to Bemidji, uh, where my sister lives, and then uh, I'll be with her for a few days. Then I'm gonna head all the way up to Badette, Minnesota, uh, even
0: further north.
1: Yeah, right up to the border. Uh, just take a quick peek at Canada, see what they're up to, Keep make an sure eye everything's. On them. Yeah.
0: Yep. The other border. Yep. That's an open border.
1: Yeah, really, um, if if I was an immigrant trying to sneak into the U.S., I think I would do it
0: from the Canadian side. I feel like that's, yeah, I definitely think that's the way to go. Less patrolled. Absolutely. And I've, I know some of those border guys, and they're not the most, I wouldn't call them a crack team. It was always a bizarre
1: experience crossing the border when I was a young um, kid, because you know, you needed no documentation or whatever. You different just had to time. tell them
0: different time.
1: Tell them your name, where you were from, where you were going, what your business in Canada that was. That was the best one. What's yeah. your
0: business in Canada? Yeah.
1: And uh, when you're coming back uh, and you live in a small town, you always know the border crossing person. So they'd be like, "Okay, can you uh, state your name?" It's like, "Well, you, Dale, you know, you know me. You know, yeah, yeah. What's your name, Zach Olson? Okay, you know."
0: Come on, uh, this what is my was job.
1: Your, what was your business in Canada? I don't know. I'm 16 and I got bored, so yeah. I just. Mm-hmm. Drove to another country I mean, for I could
0: legally drink there, so uh, <laughs> seeing friends, I guess, is yeah. the...
1: Yeah. Well, not in Ontario, because you're from Warroad, right? Yeah, boy. And so just north of you guys is Manitoba, right? hmm Yeah, and so in Bedette, you're on the Ontario border. So Manitoba, it's 18. Ontario, it's 19.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
1: so you had to drive west and then north if you were still in high school and you wanted to drink. But you had to figure out how you were going to stay in Canada, because if you came across... And you were intoxicated. You get you know a minor,
0: but yeah, yeah, you had to you had to sleep there. You yeah, sleep that off. Did you have the senior party in Canada? We had, we did the senior party in Canada. It was like a softball field. That
1: no, we were drunk at. We went to a, um, a hunting cabin actually.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, in um, south of Badette, Minnesota, like basically in a swamp.
0: Oh, uh, okay. That was like the class bog. thing. Yeah, it's the whole be class a big cabin.
1: Yeah, it's it was a big cabin. There was lots of room. We had. You know what? No, that wasn't where our senior party was. Our senior party was at um a forest owned by the high school. Like a patch of land that they that oh, they owned. Okay. Yeah, we went out there and had a big fire and put up a bunch of tents and Sure. Did you like did wholesome drink and st- things? I was about to it, yeah, say but so whole school land. Yeah.
0: Like they gotta I mean I guess they figure if they can like have some semblance of control over it if it's I don't think I don't know that the school knew about it. Oh, oh sure. I don't know how they could or not know.
1: Blind eye to it. Yeah, I don't think seventy people can keep a secret, but certainly not in a small town. Yeah, but maybe it was one of those things where local law enforcement just hung out and made sure nobody drove away or something.
0: Yeah, because usually you at least got like someone's brother is a cop, and those t- you know it doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter. Someone's older brother is uh, tips yeah. you off. Look, we're gonna we're gonna have to be there in like a half hour, so pack up your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I went to Warroad. You went to Badette. We met in Bemidji. Right. Uh, when's the last time you've been there? Because like literally, the only time I ever went back there was uh, on my way back up north to Warroad, and then I just crashed with you and we'd hang out. But
1: yeah, uh, I was there this last summer. Um, drove from Washington to Minnesota uh, in August, and I visited Bemidji for about a week.
0: Yeah, you're way more outdoors. You definitely took advantage. It's a beautiful town, a lot of scenic stuff. I was such a a bookworm doofus in college that I didn't really do a lot of the outdoor stuff.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because um, just in the couple years that I've been gone, Mm -hmm. there have been some new restaurants moving in, and Bemidji is really growing and developing, Uh, and I have some uh, conservative friends who feel like it's getting too cosmopolitan. Oh, yeah? Yeah, population 14,000 Bemidji is starting to get a little too uh, ritzy for them. So they'd like to head to somewhere, you know, a little more rural. Black duck. Yeah, basically.
0: So, because they don't like the independent shops and stuff? Like, it seems like they're perfectly fine if it's a green mill or some sort of large chain thing.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I think it's just like a culture and climate thing. Like, I would say that Bemidji is more... Um, there's definitely I wouldn't say it's like a very liberal city but for greater Minnesota I think it is.
0: Um, it is kind of an interesting blend where you have like that college. I mean the college is what makes the town. Without yeah. Bemidji University it's Thief River Falls. Like, yeah. it doesn't uh and these references might be mean nothing to people uh down here in northern Minnesota speak. But uh the college is everything. So yeah, it's a nice it's a it's a blend of yeah, that's the uh that uh, college liberalism but then also rural midwest conservatism coming together. Yeah. Yeah, you can a lot of flannel. So much flannel. Yeah, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of opportunities to
1: take in like art and theater there regularly. I mean, obviously not like the twin cities, but more than more so than a lot of places in greater. Yeah, they got a
0: uh, but you professional can... summer theater program yeah. up there,
1: the Paul Bunyan Playhouse. Yeah, and they're quite they're great shows, but also you can do a lot of redneck stuff there. A lot of
0: redneck stuff. You
1: can kill just about any animal you want. Um, From your window.
0: Yeah. All you have to do is open your window, and you can shoot... White-tailed deer, ducks, Mm -hmm. squirrels, skunks,
1: I don't know, whatever you want, really. World's your oyster. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, it's got classy and trashy. Yeah, but compared to the city I'm living in now in Washington, um, I'm in a very uh, conservative rural city. Um, Mm -hmm. So even though there's a a community college there that's – it's not as big as Bemidji State University, but it's a couple thousand students, Mm -hmm. right? But um, much more uh, conservative vibe than Bemidji. Um, uh, Just little things like, um, you know, it's much easier to ride your bike around Bemidji.
0: Um, Yeah, it's definitely bike friendly. Yeah. Environmentally, for sure, uh, liberal. As far as I remember, the all the programs and stuff they had out there, right? Which you think conservatives would be more on board with, with conservation. conservation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think they the Teddy Roosevelt approach.
1: Yeah, I think there are plenty who are when you look at things like um, public lands and access to hunting and outdoor recreation. Yeah, right. I think that's a pretty um, grassroots conservative thing uh, where they uh, agree with you know a lot of progressives. Um, but when you look at whether or not things should be developed for economic reasons, like mm-hmm. um, the boundary waters, the copper sulfide mining and things like that, that's where
0: you get the, the division. Do you think, especially, uh, I would say, given our experiences where we're from in northern Minnesota, but college educated, lived in, in bigger cities, uh, the, the idea of a, a moderate Democrat, Mm-hmm. I mean progressive taxation, but maybe looser when it comes to like gun laws and and some other stuff like that. like do you think that's a dying breed based on you know on given the climate we have right now or are they just not the loud fanatics so we don't hear much from them because uh, I, I you know I think a lot of the like the college professors we had and and stuff where it's like it's it's both. it's you know liberal but not. Uh, tofu, like not the the yeah. caricature left wing person that you you think of. Yeah, I don't know. Um,
1: I don't really have a ton of education in the history of the Democratic Party in Minnesota, but you know it was the Democratic Farm Labor yeah Party. So it was like this coalition of farmers and and all kinds of very left wing people, like communists and uh, such. Uh, do you remember the art history professor Kyle Crocker?
0: Uh, I don't think so. I don't think I took any art history classes. Yeah, you
1: pro- might not there. have met him, but he was, you know, he was an old, like, uh, hippie, liberal, communist sympathizer. And he loved that, um, the DFL had some, like, minor communist roots. But yeah, when I think of the Democrats from, like, my hometown, mm-hmm. right, it was basically, um, the teachers and some of the farmers.
0: Yeah, pretty much at that yeah. point. yes, yeah, war- same thing with Warroad. If you're, you, the only Democrats are probably in the teacher's lounge.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm sure that, you know, the Democrats used to have union support in Minnesota, uh, you know, up in the Iron Range w- among the miners and things like that. So it was at one point, I'm sure, more of a working class party in greater Minnesota.
0: But Yeah, and then I just wonder, again, like, yeah, cause I don't have that much of a – so it would be nice to have someone with that kind of information so we could ask them. I guess, but that idea of the whole uh, Nixon Southern strategy and stuff, because I feel like it was probably around that same time too, uh, or maybe the Reagan era, I suppose, because I feel like the 70s was still, you know, Democrats were the party of the working class people. And Mm -hmm. then I think around tail end of Carter, and once Reagan came in, I think there was just this huge... Shift, And then from that point on, most rural towns were solidly Republican. Yeah. Despite the fact that their policies weren't really benefiting people.
1: Yeah. I mean, Lake of the Woods County, where I'm from, I don't ever remember it being anything other than red in an election. Yeah. Um, overall. So, you know, Democrats were clearly in the minority there.
0: But um, I'm not sure. Well, on that note, uh, we'll take a quick uh, commercial break. Uh, you're listening to Laughing Matters here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Don't go anywhere. She don't lie, she don't
2: she don't lie. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of eatlocalminnesota.com. More than just a website, EatLocalMinnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. The award-winning Hazel's Northeast combines the feel of a small town diner with the vibrant nature of its Northeast Minneapolis neighborhood. Whether it's breakfast, lunch, weekend brunch, or dinner, their classically inspired and creatively prepared American comfort food is always made from scratch. Hazel's Northeast at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. Make Nightingale your holiday gathering destination. Perfect for the season. Nightingale features mulled wine. They're open seven days a week in a cozy, fun location off 26th and Lindale with two award-winning daily happy hours. Plus, receive a $20 gift certificate for every $100 gift certificate through the end of December. More at NightingaleMPLS.com.
3: Warning, stand-up records may cause intestinal distress, fits of insane laughter, instant diarrhea, existential malaise, headaches, nausea, dizziness, vomiting, seasonal affective disorder, more headaches, Pneumomono mono Silico Volcano coniosis. Stand-up records should not be handled by women who are pregnant, may become pregnant, have ever been pregnant, or personally know anyone who has been pregnant. Do not consult your doctor if he's operating heavy machinery. Stand-up records is for external application only. And stand-up records is, of course, good for a few laughs. So remember that's standuprecords.com. For the world's finest comedy CDs, DVDs, and merchandise, that's standuprecords.com. The revolution will be hilarious. Hi, I'm Matt McNeil, and I want to encourage you to join me weekday afternoons at 3 p.m. for The Matt McNeil Show. It's a Twin Cities-based full hour of talk where we discuss what's going on in the state and in the nation from a Minnesota perspective. We'll be joined by a lot of great guests, and we'll take your phone calls. Interact with us on the Twitter page, at Matt McNeil Show, the Facebook page, Progressive Citizen X, The Matt McNeil Show, and on email. Comment at am950radio.com. The Matt McNeil Show, weekday afternoons at 3, right here on AM 950. Imagine a world where no one ever went hungry. Where you didn't have to choose between clean air and clean water. And where bitter, drunken comedians didn't have to work in small, dark clubs to tell you how severely screwed up everything is. If that kind of world scares you the way it scares us, then we can help. We're StandUpRecords.com. We offer the finest in CDs, DVDs, and merchandise from the best stand-up comedians on Earth. So please give generously, and remember, together we can't save the world... Yeah, no, we can't. So you may as well just buy something funny. That's StandUpRecords.com.
0: We
1: don't need no
3: education.
0: And we're back with more Laughing Matters here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Uh, Pink Floyd there with the uh, Republican philosophy toward public education. Uh, My guest, Zach Olson. Uh, My best buddy going all the way back to our days at Bemidji State University sketch comedy creative writing uh, so now you work what's the name of the university in Washington I work at Big Bend Community College Big Bend Community College yeah and uh, writing uh, yeah
1: I teach I teach uh, developmental English so I work with students who aren't um, ready for college level English mm-hmm. and we try and uh, accelerate them in Get them ready to write at the college level.
0: So the transition from high school to college—that mm-hmm. that, that pipeline—you're in there, you're waist deep in it. What are some of the things that uh, you think are are going well, and what are some of the things that uh, there's some problems with out there for people that might not be uh, aware of it? Well. I think that um, there's a
1: a real disparity in how well different high schools prepare students for college. Mm -hmm. Um, So some students, you know, uh, by and large are coming to college ready for college. Um,
0: They've taken classes already in the high school.
1: Yeah. If we look at your your typical high school uh, set of classes, basically, if you can pass Algebra 2 in high school... um, early on, you know, around 10th grade, 9th grade, something like that, you're probably ready for college-level math, or you're going to be. You're on track, right? Yeah. Uh, And then uh, with English, if people are staying on that upper-level English course, um, maybe taking, like, an AP English class or an honors English when they're seniors, um, they're probably going to be ready to go. But uh, I think writing is interesting because, really, you can – Make it all the way through high school, never learning how to write an essay very well. And that's the number one piece of writing you're going to be producing in college for a grade, right, is the essay, like the thesis support essay. Um, But how often do you take a high school class where your entire grade or most of your grade is based on essays? Like, never. Even, yeah. even your English classes are a combination of literature and writing. So Just the, the well-founded argument, I feel like, is such a lost art
0: in this mm-hmm. climate anyway.
1: Yeah. So some high schools are doing a really good job of preparing students, and some high schools are... Um, pushing them through. Yeah, right? There's this idea that um, if a student fails, then the school has done something wrong, mm-hmm. right? They haven't done the right thing to prepare them, um, and you're getting students in the upper grades who uh, kind of have holes in their learning from before you know i mean if you get like a if you get a a d minus in math right so you learned or were able to demonstrate you know 60 percent of the material that was actually covered yeah right how much of that do you then retain to the next year not not as much right probably not much right you probably lose at least a quarter to maybe half of it so you're looking at like 30 to 45% of the material that was taught is stuff you actually know. Yeah. And then you go to the next level where everything you're learning is based on what you learned the year before. Mm. So more than half of it is fuzzy to you, yeah. right? You maybe recognize it, but you don't remember how to do it. And that next class, they don't have necessarily time to reteach you. So you yeah. just get another D minus and you keep going. Um, so we don't have a system that ensures that students have mastered Basic skills before they move on.
0: Yeah. So how much how much a college is is devoted to just basically starting over or keeping up? Well, it, it depends on where you go. Okay. Right? So for at at uh, at Big Ben.
1: Well, it depends on the student as well. Okay. So community colleges typically are open enrollment, right? So anyone who's um, community. Yep. Anyone who's got a a high school diploma or a GED can get in there. And even if you don't have a diploma or a GED, some colleges will let you co-enroll where you're in a a GED or high school diploma program while you're taking college courses at the same time. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's like a community college. It's a really great place to go back to if you um, didn't complete your high school education or it's been a while or you're nervous about going to um, a four-year school. But yeah, how well prepared the students are, it really depends on where they're coming from, right? So if you're coming from a, a more affluent community um, with better schools, then your students are going to be better prepared, typically, right?
0: It's a community college, Big Ben? Yep. The, what's the oldest student you've ever
1: had? Oh, we have lots of students in their um, 50s, even in 60s, coming back for whatever reason. Um, a lot of people are retraining so they worked um, in a trade, mm-hmm. uh, got some sort of injury that's put them on disability, and they basically have to go back to school and pursue something else to draw a benefit. Um, and I really feel for those people. Um, that is a tough spot to be in, right? If you're, can you imagine being like a 55-year-old man or woman, and you're going to go back to college and sit in a classroom where you know you're going to be the oldest one in there. Yeah, you, yeah,
0: that's almost creepier than being the old guy at the club.
1: Yeah, you're probably going to be older than a lot of your professors, or as old as them, um, and you're going to be reviewing material and going over things that you learned 35 years ago.
0: I, I once a few summers ago, just to have a, a make a little extra cash, did a canvassing job for maybe three days, mm-hmm. and the the guy overseeing the particular. Uh, unit that I was in was like six years younger than me and after after day two I was like I can't I can't do this I can't yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot take orders from somebody with an earring with a with a guy with an yeah earring. I can't I can't do it but,
1: yeah, one thing I would say, though, that I really appreciate about my older than average students, um, and this isn't even, you know, students in their 50s, but anybody who has been, like, married and had a couple of kids, yeah. is they typically have their, their life together more so than 18 to 21-year-olds. Get out of like, here. Yeah. Believe it or not, uh, they um, do all of the reading. They do all of their homework. They yeah. show up to class prepared. They know how to be on time.
0: Is it weird to grade older people's stuff? Do you uh... –
1: No, it's really easy. Okay. They just do a great job.
0: Oh, there you go.
1: Like they take care yeah. with what they're doing and they try and do their best work, typically.
0: Are there any slackers like 55 but like, man, come on, why you harshing my buzz. <laughs> um look, like I wrote most of the words that are on there. I haven't run into that. <laughs> I'm sure there's people like that out there um,
1: just <laughs> yeah when I've had older students who struggle, it's because they have a lot of other things going on that are outside of dealing with the class material. like it might be they never learn to type, right? Yeah. You know, they've never ever had to use a computer for schoolwork. And now, they have to do everything on the computer, right? Sure. So instead of jumping into um, these college level um, content courses, they should be taking like a keyboarding course, an introduction yeah. to Microsoft Word, stuff like that, through you know probably some sort of business program.
0: But then you, but you're not technology; you're writing. Yes. So the adu- what are the adults that you're saying coming to you for just the, the learning to write essays and stuff? That uh, yep. okay? Yeah. So typically, you're going to take some sort of um,
1: placement exam when you um enroll in a community college most of them use the accuplacer
0: okay um, accuplacer
1: yeah uh and so it will uh give you a score in math and a score in english and we use that score to determine what is your um what your first math or english course are going to be and most people who've been out of school for a long time are going to place lower
0: yeah for sure Uh, We're going to take a quick break and be back with more Laughing Matters here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Don't go anywhere.
3: You know, here at Stand Up Records, when we say we have the best names in comedy, we're not messing around. In fact, we were there first, with comedians who went on to become household names. Names like Hannibal Burris, Maria Bamford, the Sklar Brothers, Doug Stanhope, Mark Marin, and Lewis Black. So why not head on over to StandUpRecords.com or Amazon.com or the iTunes Music Store and pick up a classic CD, DVD, or download of the best comedians working today. And check out some of our other artists, because you never know who the next big thing will be. That's StandUpRecords.com. I'm Richard R.J. Escal, and this week on The Zero Hour, we'll be discussing political corruption, Wall Street shenanigans, our corporate overlords, digital dystopia, and maybe throw in a surprise or two as well. All this and more on The Zero Hour, every Sunday night from 9 until midnight on AM
2: 950,
3: the progressive voice of Minnesota.
2: Need sides to complement your intimate or large holiday gatherings? Let It's Greek to Me cook for you and yours. Enjoy their housemade spanakopita, roast potatoes, Greek pastizio lasagna, Mediterranean salads, and desserts. We have you covered. Let our gracious catering take the pressure off. Take out or dine in at the restaurant. And our new marketplace is full of holiday goodies imported from our family and friends in Greece. Find It's Greek to Me at 626 West Lake Street in Minneapolis or at its Greek2meMN.com.
3: Expedition Journal, entry number seven. It's been a week since I entered this vast land called Big Buy Electronics in search of a digital camera. Today, I encountered several people calling themselves employees, but... They only spoke of car stereos knowing nothing of cameras. So I continued westward through endless forests of CDs and DVDs. By evening, I took refuge near some televisions to regain my bearings. I begin to wonder if this camera department is a myth. I should have heeded my colleagues and gone to National Camera. Their knowledge in customer service is the stuff of legend. But it is too late for me now. Tell my wife... I love her.
1: Check out National Camera's stunning collection of photo gifts and cards and create keepsakes with your favorite photos. Choose from metal and canvas prints, mugs, ornaments, holiday cards, and more in-store or online at natcam.com.
3: Warning. Last year, over 40,000 Americans died in car-related accidents. Not a pleasant thought, is it? In fact, as thoughts go, it's downright depressing. Well, that's where we can help cheer you up. We're StandUpRecords.com, and we offer the finest in CDs, DVDs, downloads, and merchandise from the best comedians on Earth. Artists like Mark Maron, Maria Bamford, Eddie Pepitone, and Doug Stanhope. Available at fine record stores, Amazon.com, and the iTunes Music Store. That's StandUpRecords.com. Come on, listen to us while you're driving. Live dangerously. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight will be partly cloudy
1: with a low around 28. Sunday, sunny with a high near 38 and a low around 20. Monday, sunny with a high near 30 and a low around 21. And Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high near 37
3: and a low around 27. AM 950 is brought to you by Eat Local Minnesota. Break away from the usual and find a list of one-of-a-kind local restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. From elegant to casual, exotic to comfort food, they've got everything and warm. Find the full list of incredible nearby restaurants at
1: eatlocalminnesota.com.
2: If I could turn back time.
1: Still on tour, if I think. I she's still... No she just released an al- album of ABBA
0: covers. I really? Yeah. Cher did? Yeah. Cher yeah. covers ABBA. Yeah. What else think thinking next? She makes it seem effortless. Yeah. Uh, ageless. The yeah. ageless Cher. How old do you think she is? She's in her 70s. Get out of here. Yes.
1: Early 70s. I think she's like 71 or 72.
0: Nice. Uh... Listen, if you're just tuning in, where where were you? Uh, my guest, Zach Olson, uh, best buddy, college buddy. He's in town for the holidays. I had him on the show because I have that kind of pull here uh, at AM 950. I think I might be one of the oldest shows on the station at this point, I feel like. Neil Larson, gone. Uh, is that is that true? Is Neil Larson? I don't think he's doing that anymore, right? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, Neil Larson died. Uh, that, that might not be true. Uh, there was a coffee sex chat, I think, at some point. That went right. That's not a thing anymore, is it? Not to my knowledge. Yep. Nope. That would that's gone. I'm the last one standing. I am the Jerry Lee Lewis of... <laughs> more like the Elton John. But probably more like Atheist show's been going for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. All right. Me and the Atheist. Yeah. But they have a rotating cast of hosts, so... Oh, well... Forget that. That doesn't even count. Uh, yeah. It's just me. That, that's all laughing matters is. I don't yeah. have a rotating slew of dirtball comics that are coming out. What am I even doing? Yeah. I'm, I digress. Uh, you can see me at Acme Comedy Company tonight. Uh, shows at 8 and 10. 30. Actually, I think they're sold out. So you could have seen me had you got your tickets sooner. But I do have a website, com. Uh, I believe the tour dates and ev- tour dates and everything is uh, on there. Hopefully, I'm going to get some new clips up, so you can uh, follow me there. Uh, Barrelcomedy.com. Uh, also, "Sex and Politics" is the name of the album. Check that out. And then in March, around March sometime, uh, I'll look to be recording my second album at Sisyphus Brewery. So stay tuned for more details about that. Zach, mm-hmm. what is there any value to a high school diploma anymore? Are they worth anything? Uh, you know, I... Put you on the hot seat. Yeah. Um, I'm finally starting to wake up. I yeah. feel like if we started the show now, it'd be guns blazing. It took yeah. me... I've been off for a, a month and a half. I've been on the road bombing in Sheboygan, so my rhythm's a little off. Uh, but now I feel I feel like this is going to be... The second half is really going to turn around. Yeah. Um,
1: I guess... I think that a high school diploma obviously has value, but... Um, There are – I don't know what jobs you can get without some sort of credential, you know, not many. Um, Stripper. Right. You know. uh, So – and then for – if you want to pursue any sort of training beyond high school, you're going to need the high school diploma or the GED um, to move forward. Uh, But – so for practical utility value to you as a an individual, that's what it's at. It gets you... It's a stepping stone. It's a stepping stone it's along the, the way. It's not the finish. Yeah. Yeah. And then for... Um, in terms of educational value, it just varies depending on the high school that someone went to. Um, some high schools are trying to prepare students for um, further education, um, more, more so as a mission than other schools. Uh, and that's not... Uh, Um, Put down the administrations at different high schools or anything like that. Uh, Every student population is different. Every high school faces different challenges. Um, And we have this absurd uh, push to make everyone go to college when uh, that's just not the right place for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, So I don't feel like it's fair to judge high schools who have to educate everyone on how many of their students go on to college.
0: So do you – where do you stand on, let's say, the Bernie Sanders make college affordable for everybody?
1: Yeah. Well, college is too expensive, obviously, in the United States. Um, And there's plenty of other places uh, where you can go to school, get an education for a reasonable price or free. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think it's impossible. Uh, But one issue is that we have – almost like a a donut hole when it comes to certifications and credentials, Mm -hmm. right? Like we have the high school diploma and we have... um, Oldie but a goodie. Yep. Professional technical programs. Yep. And then we have the four-year degree. Um, But what if you want to um, do something that doesn't have a professional technical degree path, but you really don't want or need four years of education? Um, Yeah. So, you know, there's a range of careers in, say, um, computer science where you know, having specific technical skills is going to be more valuable to you in your day-to-day work than um, having taken, um, you know, a liberal arts um, general ed program. Um,
0: And it seems like so much of the uh, employment opportunities now, and maybe I'm just seeing it because uh, in stand-up, you just see what other guys are doing to make money, but uh, a lot of it just seems to be kind of like ad hoc... Uh, temporary like Uber, Uber Eats, uh, delivering pizza or, you know, odd jobs and stuff. And they just sign up for, you know, come clean my room or do my dishes and you make $40. And then, like, just doing that versus, Mm -hmm. like, a steady, consistent job. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential out there
1: for gig work. But I don't think that's what most people want to be doing. Sure. Um, you know, it's a nice way to supplement an income for some people or um, to make ends meet um, or to pursue a passion while still having a way to make some money. Um, but um, I think that one of the big issues with um, college education is that uh, we look at education as something that you're going to stop doing, yeah. right? The purpose of education is to give, fill you up with all the knowledge and skills you need to go on and live your adult life and do whatever you're going to do until you die.
0: Yeah, it's like Uh,
1: confirmation.
0: Yeah. When you're like 16, you're like, I need to go to church anymore. Yeah.
1: So just for instance, when we entered college, right, 2004, 2005, there was no such thing as a smartphone, right? Right. It didn't exist. And the iPhone was created while we were in college. And by the time we graduated, you know, there's hundreds of thousands, if not a million people, working just developing applications for smartphones. So that's a job that... We couldn't have predicted would exist, and nobody at our college probably predicted would exist. So we couldn't have possibly been trained for it yeah. Um. under that model, Yeah. right? So that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be 18. You pick, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Go get trained in that, and then yeah, go yeah. do that thing until you die. Yeah. And I don't think that's the world we live in anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, change is going to keep happening. It's going to happen rapidly. Jobs are going to become obsolete. Um, and we shouldn't be putting people in a situation where they're – um. their lives are at stake based on this, right? Like you're ability- putting all
0: other eggs in one basket. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like that your occupation can just be innovated away and you have no alternatives.
0: Except the gig stuff. Cause that's right. all you can do now.
1: Right. So I think I'm hoping that the future of education is where we look at it as a continuous process that you go through without your, throughout your adult life um, where, You know, I still want people to be able to pursue, like, the four-year liberal arts degree, if that's Mm -hmm. for them. But there are plenty of people who don't want that, don't need that, and should be able to go and get basic training for an occupation, work that job for four, five, six, ten years, um, and then maybe decide they want to do something else and go back to school for um, a year, six months, a year and a half, and pick up new certifications, new new trainings, and then move into the next phase of their career, whatever that is. Um, If you look at people who go into the medical field, they can follow a career path like that because there are certifications at a lot of different levels of education Mm -hmm. in the medical field, right? So you can start out as a a CNA where you can do an intensive course over a month in in some cases or two months and go in – um, work in a hospital setting, get some experience with basics of nursing. You can go back and get a two-year degree. You can get a technical certification to operate different medical equipment, do other jobs in the hospital. You can work and pursue your bachelor's while you're there. You can go on and get a master's degree or even you know, a doctoral degree while you're, while you're working. I mean, you're probably not going to be – you're not going to get your MD while you're working. You're going to stop. I won't become house. Yeah, but uh, – so basically you can do a little bit of training in the field – Go Mm -hmm. in, see if you like it, and then continue to educate yourself while you work. Um, So for a field like that, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't do it, how are you going to know whether or not it's something you actually enjoy? I mean, I remember hearing horror stories of quite a few – But Bemidji's a teacher college, and that's how it started out. And you'd hear stories about people that went into education, got into a classroom after paying all this money. You're like, oh, no, this is – I can't. Yeah, and then they have to start from scratch because that's all their focus was on. Yeah, before I, doing it. Yeah, I know a guy
1: who was a history teacher in New York State, um, and then in his thirties, you know, had done it for a good long chunk of time, and realized I don't want to be a teacher anymore, and had to quit his job while he had a family, go back to school, and became a nurse. Oh, um, nice. So, uh,
0: it's it definitely seems like that. We I agree. We're kind of coming out of that era of just like you have that job until you die. Yeah. Uh,
1: and so I think that's also an issue with high school education, because mm-hmm. if you look at the history of our country, um, you know, just a couple of generations ago, there were a lot of people who eighth grade, that's all you went to, right? You went through yeah, the eighth yeah. grade, like my grandfather, he only went through the eighth grade, um, stopped out of school, and that was enough t- for him to go on to join the military, get some training to be a mechanic there, um, mm-hmm. go on and work the rest of his life with an eighth grade education, right? Yeah. The world he lived in you could potentially learn enough by the eighth grade to have all the education and skills you really need to support yourself for the rest of your life. What a world. You know? Yeah. And then there was a point where you could go until you know 12 years of school. You could get a high school diploma. And that really taught you the skills and training you needed. right? Like if you're going to work in a factory, um, a high school diploma is great. It's going to teach you to be on time, um, sit in one position, no, be orderly. Skills, yeah. basically. Um, Don't rock the addition- boat. Yeah. Yeah, in addition to, like, the math and communication skills you're going to need for your job. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think we – we no longer live in a world where high school can teach you everything you need. It can't just fill you with the knowledge you need to continue your life. So we've got to shift what education does and how it does it. We've got to teach people how to learn. Yeah. Right? We've got to teach – Or create that desire to learn. Right. We need to – Teach students to be curious and passionate about learning, get them to look at learning as a lifetime um, process, get them to look at learning as something that you initiate as a person, Mm -hmm. um, and direct yourself uh, so, so that you can go on and continue your education in all the different ways that are available to us. And, you know, with the internet right now, podcasts, YouTube videos, there is so much you can learn independently. Um, there are tons of colleges who are basically putting their course content out online for free for anyone. Um, sure. Yeah, so you want to take, like, a philosophy class from an Ivy League university. You can go get all the content and move through it yourself, even with recorded lectures.
0: Well, that's something else I kind of wanted to get into, and we'll probably have to get into it after the break. But the whole uh, – like, I, I, I get how online classes can be cheaper, and I think that's beneficial. But at the same time, I think there's something about – that classroom atmosphere where you're debating with people that are sitting right next to you and just that initial give and take seeing the person face-to-face and not just you mm-hmm. know cutting each other to pieces online and stuff that I think is also a very important part of you know intellectual development but we can talk about that after the bake uh, don't go anywhere you're listening to laughing matters here on a.m. 950 the progressive voice of Minnesota
3: Imagine a world where no one ever went hungry. Where you didn't have to choose between clean air and clean water. And where bitter drunken comedians didn't have to work in small dark clubs to tell you how severely screwed up everything is. If that kind of world scares you the way it scares us, then we can help. We're StandUpRecords.com. We offer the finest in CDs, DVDs, and merchandise from the best stand-up comedians on earth. So please give generously. And remember, together we can't save the world. Yeah, no, we can't. So you may as well just buy something funny. That's StandUpRecords.com.
2: Burger Mose makes holiday gifting easy and rewarding. For every $100 in gift cards purchased, Salad at both Burger Mose and the Downtowner Woodfire Grill, receive a bonus $20 gift card for yourself. Burger Mose offers 20 fresh, never-frozen burger varieties, as well as delicious appetizers, soups, salads, and unburgers, dogs, paninis, shakes, and desserts, and two daily happy hours. Located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul, with plenty of free parking and online at BurgerMos.com.
3: We served our country like those before us. You know, it was a dangerous area, all of Vietnam was dangerous. The carnage of war left an indelible mark on me. We came back and built lives. As time went on, we faced new challenges and found support to handle them. I went to the VA, talked to my doctor. I started doing groups. I started doing one-on-one counseling. At MakeTheConnection.net, you can hear our stories and find tools and services available to you. Dave Waite, hot dog.
1: Sometimes I think I should go see a therapist. I know that's something you can't say in the Midwest. It's probably more comfortable to fart on an elevator and tell everybody to get a whiff.
3: The all-new album from StandUpRecords.com.
1: We went to Milwaukee because my dad was collecting postcards at the time, so we drove seven hours in a car to see tiny pictures of other better vacations. Now available
3: from StandUpRecords.com, the iTunes Music Store, and Amazon.com. Dave Waite, hot doggin'.
1: Right. The holidays just snuck up on us, and you've waited and waited all year to clean. So don't put it off anymore. Call Zero Res. Not only will it look and feel amazing, it makes your home healthier to get rid of the bacteria, dust mites, and dander lurking in your carpet. So hurry and call before the holidays and get three-room Zero Res clean starting at 139 bucks, And get 50 bucks off when you clean dirt and dander's favorite hiding place, your air ducts. Call nine five two zero res or visit ZeroResMinnesota.com.
2: Clean my room
0: until
1: I got high. <laughs> Ooh, I was gonna get up and find the broom
0: but then I got high. Uh, Do you ever have uh, students use, use that excuse up, for not I turning in their writing on time? No, no, they,
1: they will not admit, they know that's not a good excuse. Really. So they'll come up with a good lie. which that's is still
0: nuts. not a good enough excuse.: No, even so things
1: haven't changed that much.: Yeah, even in Washington state where um, weed is legal, it's still. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to school, it's not a performance enhancing drug. Uh, really, even yeah. for the
0: even for the art classes.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I can't speak to the art classes, but I would bet that that you do not make your best art while you are high.
0: Really? That would be my bet. I I feel like you could make, I don't know. I feel like there's definitely a lot of art that's been improved through the use of drugs as well. I think
1: that most people whose art benefits from drug use are people who have um, some real problems that the drugs are medicating, and allowing sure. them to create art. And I think if they dealt with those problems another way, their art would be even better.
0: And or, I'm not. I'm not, not anti-drugs. It could be, but that might make for the good artist, the the tortured artist, and the yeah. I think
1: we like to romanticize that. Sure. So. I just think that you don't hear about well-adjusted artists who produce great work because it's not as um, interesting to discuss. Okay.
0: Sure. I feel like, I don't know, maybe maybe it is romanticized to a certain extent, but I don't know, I just feel like, I mean, who are some well-adjusted people Who's? First off, I feel like if you're well adjusted, you're probably not in arts in the first place. Like, don't you just you? You're rational. You're like, why would I choose something like that when I could, you know, be an engineer and and put two and two together and make like, you know, to think that you could do it as a painter or, you know, a musician and stuff. I feel like there's already kind of something that's a, a little off in yeah. there. Do you do you feel like you
1: make your your best comedy that you write your best when you're using?
0: I think it. I think would like the actual writing of the jokes I think yeah I I need to be clear headed but I would also say that I th- I feel like I write better on stage in the moment if I have a drink or two in me a sure. little bit cuz then like that filters off especially as a, a comedian just trying to be silly and funny where maybe if I'm sober, I'm like, oh, I can't say that. That might yeah. that might be – whereas if I'm drunk on stage and I'll just throw it out there and and whatever. So is it fair to say that the alcohol is medicating
1: your anxiety? Uh, possibly. Your self-consciousness, your stage fright?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But then if I, I – well, maybe not necessarily stage fright, but anxiety of, I don't know, whether or not to deliver a joke or something like that. Okay. We'll say self-consciousness then, right? Sure.
1: You're concerned about what how people are gonna perceive you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which is important when you're a comedian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah. So I think that uh you know, there's like that old Ernest Hemingway quote, Write drunk, edit sober. Oh nice. Where he, yeah, he's yeah. basically saying mm-hmm. that, you know, alcohol like helped inspire him. Yeah. But when you look at the guy's life, it was just a big old mess. Right, Sure, Um, but did he even care? Like, he was all about the writing anyway. Okay, Okay. someone well-adjusted who made great art that I know you like, Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. Um, So he smoked his whole life, um, Mm. and he did drink, but I don't think he ever developed a a very serious problem with alcohol. Sure. Pretty pretty straight-laced guy, worked a corporate job until he saved enough money that he had a year's worth of salary, so he quit and wrote full-time for a year. His career took off. He took in his sister's kids when she was unable to take care of them. I can't remember if she died or there was some other reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically just an all-around stand-up guy who had his life together and made some wonderful pieces of
0: art. Yeah, well, I feel like that's an exception to the rule, yeah. though. Or do you think that's yeah. more often the case? I think we just romanticize the alcoholics and the I druggies? Think if, and-
1: yeah, I think, if you have, I think if there's chronic drug use, then that's probably someone who is dealing with some sort of underlying issue that is maybe um, going to be a huge impediment to their art if they can't figure out a way around it.
0: What if, okay, so, I mean, alcohol can be uh, very damaging and stuff, but what uh, the marijuana, creativity, expanding your mind, LSD, that kind of stuff, do you not think that uh, if you're going for creativity and thinking outside the box, wouldn't those things uh, enhance that or... Uh... Maybe I, take you to a, 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 you know, a different uh, yeah. realm or something that you wouldn't be accessing normally if you were uh, yeah. sober and clear-headed.
1: Well, there's, you know, I think there's a lot of support for use of psychedelics for transforming your worldview and your view of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I hear a lot of people discuss the concept of ego dissolution when they're on heavy psychedelics, where they lose the entire sense of a self, which. If you can keep tapping into that, it would be impossible to be self-conscious from that point forward. Yeah. Um, so, and when you read something like Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley, where he describes this mescaline trip, you can see where that's going to be useful um, for people. But I don't think as a as a go to part of your creative process, right? As this is be something like um, like a, like a seminal experience that um, mm-hmm. changes the way you look at the world. From here on forward, right? There was this um, God. I can't remember who said it, but it was some early proponent of LSD use who said, um, "You know, when you uh, when you get when you find the answer, uh, put down the phone." Basically, mm-hmm. um, this idea that once you once you've got stuff figured out, you don't need these psychedelic drugs all the time anymore. Yeah. So I think it goes back to: Are you using this thing regularly? Um, and that's not like.
0: And that's We're not. We're like in saying, moderation. I mean, right. I feel like that's everything. I mean, yeah. we can both agree on that. Like, obviously, to excess isn't going to be good. Yeah. And... But I,
1: I doubt that anyone who, um, like, has a couple of drinks and uh, goes on stage and um, needs those drinks to be funny. Sure. You know, I, or can't be funny without them. Or anyone who uses a little bit of marijuana, smokes a little bit, or whatever, and then paints or makes music or draws or whatever, um, I would bet that that person can still produce great art without those things. Okay. Sure. I can agree to that. Yeah. So
0: it's possible
1: that, you know, that that enhances art. But it certainly doesn't well, enhance you're your also, school But work. you're
0: also uh, a writer as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... How? What about like the drinking and stuff? I mean, do you write drunk? No. Like, does that? Oh, Okay.
1: No, I I write early in the just morning. This as an activity, so, you never gotten Yeah, I don't and I don't like get up at four thirty and like pound some whiskey and <laughs> <laughs> crack open some cans of Foster's yeah. and so I let's think, get this short story out. Yeah, I think you make your best art when you get you know into the zone, kind sure. of like athletes do, or um, basically when you shut off your analytical brain yeah. and you're able to just create. So. If you're unable to do that without drugs, I could see how they could help you create art. But um, I think if most people just sit down and start creating and try not to judge whatever they're making, after 15 or 20 minutes, they're probably gonna be
0: in the zone if you're a creative person. Yeah, I mean, part of it though, I think, is just working to train that uh, creative muscle. Mm Because I think, and that's sort of where the drugs might come in uh, initially, is just it kind of gets you outside that box. Yeah. And you, obviously you shouldn't uh, need those every time. Yeah. But a nice little little dose every now and then. Sure. Nothing hurts. All right. Uh, that's it for uh, the show. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, make sure you purchase Sex and Politics on StandUpRecords.com. Follow me at BareilComedy.com. That's my website and uh, happy holidays.